1: Podcasting.
2: The PSAs you hear in Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.
0: Into the second hour of the program, Miller and Condon with you until noon, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM. In about 20 minutes, we'll speak with Vinny Iyer, columnist for the Sporting News. He covers the NFL. He's also a three-time Jeopardy champion. So we'll spend a couple of minutes on the greatest of all time, which you watched, right? I did, yes. Enthralled by it. Questions much more difficult
3: than the daily show that I watched.
0: You know, I've seen some Twitter on it and it ruined Jeopardy going forward for people. Because Over. they can't top what, you, what they saw. Anyway, anyways, but we'll talk more NFL uh, than Jeopardy. Right now we're going to talk college basketball. Washer Systems of Iowa presents Kevin Lehman as we go around hoops. Kevin, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How's things, Kevin Lehman? Uh, I'm doing good, Ken. Trying to avoid
1: the weather and my travels. But other than that, it's been great. Lots of good games.
0: Indeed. So where were you last night, Kev?
1: Uh, well, tonight I have Belmont. At Murray State, which is the big one in the Ohio Valley Conference, so we're on ESPN two at six o'clock, going head to head against that women's game, Tennessee and UConn.
0: Gotcha. Well, um, we got a lot of entertaining basketball last night. I to start with Iowa. I do want to get into the valley? Get your take on what that you and I lost means in the in the big picture. Uh, but the Hawks last night. Uh, Kevin, uh, this Big Ten is, is such a fun conference, top to bottom. Well, maybe not in, uh, Nebraska and Northwestern, but other than that. So competitive, most bracketologists have ten schools uh, getting their ticket punched to the big dance. We'll see if that uh, uh if that works out that way, but you could certainly see it as we sit here on the twenty third of January. Something about this Iowa team, Kevin, that they've lacked over the last couple of years. They're finishing games now. They seem to have a resiliency to them. What do you see when you watch the Hawkeyes? obvious uh, Other than the obvious and Luca Garza, but why is this team having the success?
1: Well, can I listen to the games? I drove in here to Murray, Kentucky last night? Uh, that's the great thing about, uh, the radio. You can get, you can get it here in Kentucky, actually. But, uh, you know, about this Iowa team, they're so connected. And I think the fact that you have such a small locker room, you're playing eight guys, they're really bonded together. And there's a real benefit to that when you coach. Because when you're carrying a 13, 14, 15 man roster, there's only a couple guys that want some playing time, think things that coaches are being fair to them. When you have a small roster like this Iowa team, they have really bonded together. They understand they need each other. You know, and it reminisces a little bit. This is more trench time, but you look at those Lute Olsen teams of 79 and 80 that made those great runs, and even the six pack of Ralph Miller. They kind of remind me of that aura that this team is really together, they understand their roles. And they're playing
3: for one another. You know, this is the time we start to hear about the grind of conference schedule. Flip the calendar into February, and it's still a long ways away from March, and you got to bring it every single night, two times a week, in conference play. With Iowa their limitations as a bench, and the way the minutes these guys are continuing to pile up, you were in the coaching sphere for a long time, Kevin. What do you do to keep the guys off the feet and try to keep them fresh for these conference games?
1: Well, obviously, Trent, you cut down your practices. And, uh, you know, I've talked to some coaches that guys like Luca Garza, they're logging huge minutes. They don't even do contact between games. They're just shooting around. They're doing, the, the you know, i on O offense. And you just keep those guys away from physical contact in practice because they get beat up physically during the game. And most of all, you don't want an injury during practice, especially with a team like Iowa. You've got to pray here that pj frederick does not have reoccurrence of the stress fracture he played 35 minutes last night i was amazed He did a boot <laughs> and he comes out yeah. in that next game and plays a full 20 minutes in the second half so it and, and you know that joe tustan's gonna have some ups and downs but he was terrific last night with 14 points seven rebounds and four assists he continues to grow into that role you know i think when we get done looking at joe tustan's When he's a senior in his four-year career, he's going to have some outstanding numbers.
0: No doubt about that. Kevin Lehman is our guest. Kevin, I want to ask you about uh, Evansville. I'm sure you've seen them uh, in your uh, trek through the valley so far. They're 0-7. Had one of the more memorable moments of the college basketball non-conference season, as you recall, back in November when they picked off Kentucky. Um, Their coach, McCarty, Walter McCarty, Fired. We know we've seen the rumors out there. There must have been something to them. Uh, that's not a good look. Uh, Evansville had no choice. Now, Licklider takes over the program. But, I mean, can you pinpoint uh, everything that was surrounding their coach as to, as to why this team took the nosedive after having one of the bigger wins in school history uh, back in November? Well,
2: they
1: took a nosedive shortly after that. Uh, you know, didn't handle the pub very well. And I don't know when the things that Walter McCarty came out, you know, it's a Title IX issue. But then, once they got league play, their leading scorer and rebound, DeAndre Williams, has been out with back guys. He has not played the last four or five games. This is a guy who's 6'9", can play all the court. So he's a big piece of that puzzle. But, you know, still shocked that this team is winless in the Valley because they've got some talent. But the other guys that they brought that they brought in had redshirt last year, but they just haven't been able to put it together. I think it's one of the mysteries of college basketball. A team can go win at Kentucky mm-hmm. when Kentucky is ranked number one, and then now you're sitting at oh 6 sixth in the Valley. It's uh, you know it's a real head scratcher. We'll see if Todd Licklack can get this straightened out. You know, Todd was on the staff two years ago. He actually had a fill in for Walter McCarty in the game at Northern Iowa. I called. Because McCarty had been suspended for comments he made after the, their loss at Drake. So I had a good visit with uh, Todd at that time and also was in his office in Evansville. Uh, I was surprised when he left, but now that he's coming back, I'd uh, be excited a bit to catch up with Todd. I mean, he's he had a tough time at Iowa, guys, but he had some health issues when he was at Iowa that a lot of us didn't know about.
0: And apparently that was behind him stepping away from the game recently, was it not? I mean,
1: Yeah, it was. When I I was in their office last year, I had a big layoff between a game at Southern and Evansville, so I went over there a day early and and visited with him. He had some stents placed in uh, some arteries, and he was having problems with headaches at that time. So that's why I believe he stepped away last year. Let's hope that he is 100% healthy as he comes back to lead this Purple Aces team. So
3: Drake gets a nice victory there. They continue to play well played really good at home at the Knapp Center throughout this season. I, I'm looking more towards the future, though, of Drake basketball. What DeVries has done here these first two years with big turnovers in the roster that first season, he built it on the fly. Kind of same kind of thing that he had to have happen again this season. Once he completely gets his feet underneath him, are, are we talking about a team that certainly is going to be there in the top half of the league year after year and a chance to, to even build upon that?
1: Well, Ken, I think you put them in the same class as what we're going to see with Northern Iowa, uh, with Bradley, with Loyola. They're going to be consistently at the top. Now, Northern Iowa had a couple dips, a uh, young team, but we're seeing what Ben Jackson does this year. He has experienced guys. Uh, they're, they're going to be at the top with their culture. Loyola's the same way. Every year you vote preseason. You've got to put Loyola in the top half, and they're there again right now. They're, they're number one. I think Drake is the same type of thing with with Darren DeVries, the way they play. And you just have this fun air about them when they play, that they enjoy Mm -hmm. playing the game. I think he's an excellent coach, both at the offensive end and at the defensive end. They spread you out so much offensively. And you got to get lucky in recruiting Ken and Trent, and they did with Leon Robbins. Mm -hmm. This guy, I mean, he might be a pro prospect. He is playing at a high level for Drake, and he's only a sophomore. He's going to continue
0: to improve. Yeah, strength and conditioning coach got after him after the uh, in the offseason. You could tell there's a difference there. Penn's a nice player to watch. I like Thomas. Uh, of course, uh, Sturts is. Um, he's, he had a real nice night last night, but it's been more than that. He's had a nice career there uh, so far. So the Panthers, in, in the grand scheme of things, they fall last night. We're trying to make the case that you know what, maybe the valley this year is a two bid league. The, the, there's not a dominant team in college basketball. If this is a year, maybe we'll get more, you know, mid majors that don't win their tournament teams that, you know, win the, uh, uh, win the season long chase, but don't win the tournament and are left out. Uh, might this be the year? And what does you and I have to do? Do they almost now have to run the table, um, to be in that conversation? There's not a lot of room for error after falling on the road to admittedly a middle of the pack, but, uh, a Southern Illinois team who played well last night.
1: Yeah, Southern Illinois, that, that game scared me, Ken, because of what they did to Drake. You know, they popped Drake pretty good in Carbondale. And with Chris Mullins coming in first year, you know, he played there at Southern when they were really good in 06, 07 those years. Was on own staff. I had him uh, Southern at Bradley, and they were in that game until their player broke his leg right before the half. I mean, he snapped his tibia. Mm and that took the air out of that team, or they would give Bradley all they wanted. That's a dangerous team. But back to Northern Iowa, their margin of error is very slim, because now we got to start looking at quadrant wins, the net. You, know, you mentioned the Big Ten. They're talking about 10 teams. they got 12 teams in the top 50 in the net, and that's what that evaluation committee, the NCAA committee is going to look at is those nets, because last year of the six. The 16 teams in the Sweet 16, 15 were in the top 16 of the net. Wofford was the only team that wasn't. So they're going to really go by those metrics again. And you got to know the Iowa team, they are in this league, they've got to win at Loyola. They've got to win at Indiana State. Those are those high metrics that's going to help move that net score up. They bounced like 25. I think they dropped 15 last night at that loss. At Southern Illinois. So that's what you're fighting as a mid-major, guys. Once you get in league play, it's hard to raise that NCAA evaluation score. and That's what they're going to go by when it comes to selection Sunday.
3: Yeah, it's a tough road. They were 35th going into play last night. They dropped to 51 here today with the updated net standings and those road victories. You don't have a lot of opportunities in the MVC. you got to pile them up. Wiggle Room's basically over. A.J. Green, he had the pull-up jumper. They were down one with uh, inside of five seconds left. Would have won it, looked like, uh, if he could got it to go. Got about as good of a shot as he could want in that spot.
1: Well, Trent, he's made those shots before mm-hmm. in other games. Uh, we've seen him do it all time this year. He did against Bradley uh, twice. But you look at the box score, and you're, i look at the stats and think, Northern Iowa should have won this game until you get to turnovers. 16 turnovers for Northern Iowa. Six for Southern Illinois. That has been the problem with the Panthers. They've had some spurts where they've kicked the ball around. They've been over, able to overcome it in most games, but when you go on the road in the Valley, you just can't have 16 turnovers. I don't care who you're playing, and have a chance to win. They got a huge game from up here this Sunday with Loyola coming into the, in the cloud Center.
0: Yeah, I saw that. Last thing, Kevin. Uh... I'm seeing it really – they beat Oklahoma State. They needed the win really bad, right? The fan base needed it. The team needed it. They got it. Solomon Young stepped up in a big, big way. What is that uh, potentially going to do for this Cyclone team? Look, they're they're up against a real tough Auburn team who was – you know, in the top five, clearly, before they had that bad week. They bounced back last night, beat the South Carolina team convincingly. Not sure how it's going to go against Auburn this weekend, but once they get back into conference play, I think we're at the point right now is, you know, I think it's a win for Iowa State if they can avoid the opening night of the Big 12 tournament, meaning they can get up, you know, sixth or better, which I think is clearly attainable uh, for this team because they've got talent for crying out loud. There's a lottery pick that plays 40 minutes every night on that team. Um, what about Iowa State? What does that win potentially do for them going forward? We've got uh, less than a minute left, Kevin.
1: Well, I think it's it's given Rashir Bolton confidence. He made threes in that game, and they need that, and Solomon Young come off the bench just being a man inside. When you look down his schedule, Ken, at Auburn, then comes into Hilton as number one Baylor who's playing at a high level. That's quite ranked number one then you got to go to Texas, you got to go to West Virginia. It's a tough four-game stand here for the Iowa State. They've got to continue to shoot the ball well, get that inside presence. And I think what you saw last night was just a boost in confidence as Oklahoma State made a run, uh, and then they were able to come back. It was that two nights ago? They were able to make come back and hold on to win that game. Uh, but these next four games are going to be really tough for the Cyclones. It's it's a you know, three of your next four are on the road, and you the other one at home is against the number one team mm. in the country.
0: They played them tough for the first 20 minutes when they yeah. saw him, but um, sadly it's – well, not sadly. I'm glad it is, but it's a 40-minute game. Kevin, great to talk to you. A Washer Systems of Iowa makes it possible. We appreciate you coming on. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Kevin. All right, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Kevin Lehman, Talking Hoops. Um, we'll do the – Keyword in a moment, but mm-hmm. we've also got Vinny Eyer coming up. I want to get into Eli Manning a little bit with him. You it's gonna be a great debate when it, it comes will. to Eli Manning. What's his place? Is he a Hall of Famer? Not seeing too many say no. I mean too many that cover the league on a you know on a weekly daily basis that think this guy will not get in. So I
3: saw something uh that really made me almost blew my mind yesterday because this is a debate that I make a lot. Most valuable player. Mm -hmm. And I say most valuable player. That is the name of the award. Mm -hmm. So value has to be a part of it. I don't like players that are on bad teams winning MVP because they're still going to be bad without them. I take that value portion of it. It's the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Shouldn't it just be for the most famous athletes? Mm -hmm. I mean, if we want to be literal with the MVP award, and that's an argument that I make, maybe I need to be a little bit more literal when I'm talking about the Hall of Fame. Eli Manning, very
0: famous. Yeah. Played in the well, he played in the big Apple. The stat that I saw that blew me away from He made more money than Peyton. Oh, Eli really? Manning made 252 million dollars playing the game. Peyton 248. It's good work if you can get it. Yeah, the, the Manning family produced a bill, half a billion dollars worth of quarterbacks. Unbelievable. Uh, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll talk NFL with Vinnie Iron next. Miller and Condon till noon. Uh, but the keyword, it's time to pay your bills right now with 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Text the keyword TAXI to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win a grand. TAXI to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Our first look of the, at the Super Bowl when Trent and I come back. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. Hi, right, welcome back. Miller and Con to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you here until noon, Time Talks of NFL, Vinnie Iyer, SportingNews.com. Of course, if you listen to the program, you, um, you probably heard Vinny on with uh, Trent and myself over the over the course of the year. Vinny is a three-time Jeopardy! champion. Let's start there, Vinny, because the greatest of all time tournament has come and gone. I, I'm amazed. I, I see a lot of Twitter out there that folks can't watch Jeopardy! anymore because they're so spoiled for what they saw. Um, I'm sure you watched it as an alum of Jeopardy! Um, did the right guy win?
2: Yeah, I think so. Everything, when you look at what happened in this tournament, uh... Tournament that I think the degree of difficulty of the question suddenly was raised, and that's the thing about Ken Jennings when you look at the pure knowledge if you look at straight down he's probably the smartest guy of all three of them I think overall I think in terms of like not just uh knowledge that he's acquired but just like practical knowledge you say it's Ken Jennings you look at his career as an engineer and the soft you know computer background and the way he went to college and stuff like that so you look at him, I think he's more the naturally smart guy of those three where the others have a little flair. They're good with the big bets and all that. But Ken Jennings, he got him. He handed to uh, him. He adapted his game to the others. He, he combined his knowledge with the big, aggressive betting and that uh, ultimately put him in their control and actually allowed him to win pretty easily three games to one.
3: Vinny, uh, you get the phone call today. We want you back. You're coming back for a tournament, tournament of champions, something like that. You're coming back and you haven't played the game in a long time. The preparation that is involved here, and these guys you know, they talked about it during the GOAT show, just how much preparation goes into it. If you wanted to do it, if you had the ability to do it, and they made that phone call, how much work would it take for you to get ready to do Jeopardy and do it in a tournament setting?
2: Well, I think if it was uh, regular, I mean, looking at some of the things I've seen, and I can see why people are kind of disappointed and not wanting to go back to uh, the old show because you watch some of the recent shows, people have been minus 3,000. You've seen games where basically one player is good. I think, in general, the difficulty of the board in the regular game has kind of decreased. And I feel like uh, it's been 20 years, so I think I've learned a lot more Mm -hmm. things since then. So I think it kind of balances out. But if it was, like, in the harder setting, and, I mean, I was... uh, I was batting about, uh, I'd say, 500 or a little bit more than that on some of the hardest questions in the double jeopardy round of the tournament. So I could tell the stakes were kind of raised and the knowledge level is pretty high. And uh, that's going to be the thing is if you're playing on that level. you got to prep yourself in a whole different way because you're going to play players that are the greatest.
0: Uh, I like the personality it was injected too, both during the game and then on social media afterwards between Ken and James. I thought that was pretty good. All right, let's get into the here and now, Vinny, and that's Super Bowl 54. You will get to Miami next week uh, in the middle of the week and be on the ground for the game. You know, at first blush, uh, when when the championship games were over and the right teams won both of them, and it wasn't a fluke that the Niners beat the Packers. And likewise, the Chiefs winning their game certainly wasn't a fluke uh, that they got by Tennessee. It was a really nice story during the playoff run. But we've got the right two teams. I read your piece, and I was glad to see that you uh, that I fell on the same side as far as seeing this game as you do. You think the Niners can win. I believe that the Niners will win. But I also believe, Vinny, uh, that this game's got a chance to really live up to the hype that surrounds it. I mean, bookmakers in Vegas can't get a bet on the under in this game. It's up to 55 now. The offensive firepower. The quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think it's got a chance to be terrific, Vinny, don't you?
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, if you look at the line, I mean, Vegas tells you a lot. I mean, It started out as Chiefs' life favorite where everyone thought, oh, maybe the 49ers are going to be the favorite. If you look at the body of work and uh, the quality of the teams and who has better defense and the history of defense, uh, the better defense winning the game. But overall, you look at it, they're pretty close offensively. They're pretty close defensively in terms of points allowed. They got a lot of weapons, uh, big time playmakers. You got the two best tight ends in the league in mm-hmm. order. It's Iowa's George Kittle and then yeah. Travis Kelsey. That's, and then you got uh, speed all over the field Tyreek Hill and uh, Raheem Mustard. When he was at Purdue, he was pretty much the fastest guy, not named Tyreek Hill, of West Alabama uh-huh. in college. So these are players that translated uh, track speed to the NFL. You got a lot of quick players as well Debo Samuel, and then a lot of interesting defensive playmakers across the board. When you look at Nick Bosa and uh, Frank Clark and Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew and Richard Sherman. So you can get a big play from almost anyone in this game on both sides of the ball. You know, I
3: was uh, reading an article, Adam Teicher over at ESPN, talking about Kansas City and the way they turned around. And just for whatever reason, memories kind of change. And I just have always thought of Kansas City, good, solid organization. But I forgot how bad it got. 07-2012, they lost 14 games twice. They lost 12 games two other times during that six-year run. It was down. Andy Reid was not an easy position for to take over. They, of course, had uh, Javon Belcher and what happened there. It was dark mm-hmm. times for Kansas City. We've talked a lot about the 50 years, but we haven't talked about really the turnaround from where they were just seven years ago. Pretty remarkable what this franchise has done.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, isn't franchise that's definitely had ups and downs? You've seen the eras where they have the spikes with Marty Schottenheimer, mm-hmm. then again with uh, uh, Dick Vermeil and that uh, run there with uh, Trent Green as the quarterback. And it's usually tied into when they have a quarterback. They're somewhat competitive. I mean, Joe Montana, they had a couple shots there to uh, get to a Super Bowl. Then you saw Trent Green kind of stabilizing, coming over from the Rams for, for a while back in the day. Uh, I think uh, they kind of got by with uh, some of the performances they had with their quarterbacks, but they were a great defensive team with a great running game when all that mattered a little bit more in the the mid to late 80s. So they've had uh, definitely different uh, times uh, here of a spiking, but I think everything kind of came together, and really you have a transcendent player, Patrick Mahomes, and that kind of sets everything apart here. Uh, You had a good foundation there with Alex Smith and – Andy Reid's offense, but we know it's gone into overdrive with Patrick Mahomes taking over the last two years. Yeah,
0: no doubt about it. I think it's got to, boy, they seldom live up to it, right, Vinny? I mean, we get over the top in the, in the build up to it, and it seldom lives up. If, if one team is going to get blown out, I mean, is it more likely that the Chiefs blow out the Niners or the other way around? If, someone, if someone's going to get embarrassed next Sunday, who's it more likely to be?
2: I think it's likely to be the Chiefs, and here's why. I mean, the 49ers like to come out of the gate flying, and we know the Chiefs have had some slow starts. Yes, And if you give the 49ers any kind of momentum with their running game and they're playing ahead and you're just grasping, uh, trying to get back in the game, they can bowl you over. I mean, if they can dictate what they're doing offensively and defensively at the same time, I mean, that means they can uh, cater to their two biggest strengths, which is the running game and the pass rush, they're going to be in great – Shaped to create a snowball effect. Well, the Chiefs the other way around, they might be okay. We're going to make Jimmy Garoppolo throw a lot of times to win a game. But guess what? I mean, he's won a lot of games throwing a lot of times. I mean, he averaged 30 attempts in the regular season. Everyone's still caught up on the eight passes from this last game. But he threw 30 times a game. That's a healthy number. And I think you also have to look in the middle of the season. This 49ers running game struggled a bit. They just couldn't get it going in that game against the Saints, uh, Different guys that got hurt. They had some issues up front. But when they needed Jimmy Garoppolo, he threw the ball around the building. He has very good weapons as well when you look at Samuel and Kittle and uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Kendrick Bourne and some underrated guys they have. So I I think uh, the 49ers are just built to play any type of game. Well, I think the Chiefs kind of have to uh, play it right with their passing and the defense in on this one.
3: One of the great stories, uh, certainly, that came out of the championship weekend. Raheem Moser, a guy that was an undrafted free agent, comes from the Big Ten. Purdue. Ken and I watch a lot of Big Ten football. So does Vinny. We didn't remember. You're a Northwestern grad. You remember this dude at all, Vinny? It was the Daryl Hazel era. Maybe that's the reason behind it, but we couldn't come up with him, uh, and we had to both Google where this guy came from.
2: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that was not the most uh, prolific uh, team offensively, and Purdue is not exactly... So you think of running backs, yeah. you think of uh, quarterbacks yeah. uh, over the years that have played there that have had some success, but, including Drew Brees, but yeah, I mean sometimes these guys are untapped, and sometimes you don't know what to do with like pure speed. And you look at Raheem Mustard, like, for those nerdy Big Ten fans that are track and field fans, um, they probably knew a lot about Raheem Mustard, because he was uh, very successful in those the competitions in the conference. I think that was really his first love, played football as well to get the scholarship. But if you actually go back, his first true love was uh, surfing and uh, skateboarding. I mean, he was recruited to be a pro surfer when he was 14. So think about that. He grew up on the coast of Florida about, I think, an hour and a half uh, north of Miami on the same coast. So it's kind of a semi-homecoming for him. Unheralded guy. has been on six teams. So that tells you the NFL – He's going to find you if you can play and you can fit in the system and do the little things right, which he did, play on special teams at a high level. That's why they kept keeping him on the roster, because he would block and tackle and do whatever he needed, as well as running on special teams. So that's a good story, and it's going to be one of the fun things to watch, and legendary performance already in his playoff past here with the NFC Championship.
0: Uh, Vinny, Iyer from the Sporting News. Vinny, last thing for you, uh, and then hopefully we'll have a chance to run you down next week in Miami, but your, your, your piece on the, the rule changes for this week's Pro Bowl, and the only reason I bring it up is, is because of the fact that it, it seems like the NFL is leaning towards... You know, maybe eliminating kickoffs at some point, maybe not next year, maybe not five years, but at some point, the kickoffs are going to go away. And they're, and they're trying something different in the Pro Bowl, uh, this week where there's just no kickoffs. You, if the, the team that scores, uh, can elect to give T, the team that got scored upon the ball at their 25 yard line, or the team that scores can actually put the ball at their 25 and try and convert a fourth and 15. And if they do, they keep the football. If they don't, um, the the team that would have received the kick takes over the ball at the dead ball spot. On the surface, I kind of like that, Vinny. Um, Will it gain any traction? If indeed kickoffs do go away. And I do believe they have to fix the onside kick now because it's almost impossible.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think he definitely has a potential to replace the onside kick because you know it's coming. It doesn't work. They want some excitement for the team to literally have another possession and you that's what you would have. If you can if you're in desperation mode and you can score, you don't have to necessarily uh kind of know that you're not gonna get the ball back unless there's a miracle bounce that uh jumps in your favor and a couple guys miss the ball when it goes up in the air. So I think this at least you control that a little bit more in the passing game than offense. So I think it's a really a special uh thing to watch here in this game and if I had a guy like Patrick Mahomes, though, <laughs> early in the game, and I'm looking at 4th and 15, I might say, uh, I'm just going to keep my offense on the field yeah. all the time. I think I can convert about 80% of these fourth and 15s and uh, uh, keep scoring a lot of points.
0: No doubt about it. Vinny, safe trip over there. We hope to run you down next week. I know you'll be busy covering a whole bunch of things, but uh appreciate what you do for it, Vinny. Thank you. All right, thank you. Good to talk to you. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. All right, so... You get it right. I do, and I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued too, and I don't think. I mean, I don't want the kickoffs to go away, but the onside kick thing mm-hmm. is impossible. You know, they only let you line up. You got to split them five side ones, um, so it's. Fourth and 15 so from if your you, own if 25. You, right. If you wanted, instead of the onside kick, this is this is what lies ahead. You so want well, to you, keep the you, football.
3: You, you grab a green flag out of your sock then you toss that on the field I saying... I don't
0: know how that's going to go. <laughs> hey, we're not kicking here. Right. We're going you for You've clearly got to alert somebody. So you put the ball on your 25-yard uh-huh. line. You have one play to make 15 yards. If you do, you keep the football. You get a first down. You get a first down. If you don't, you throw a pass and it's incomplete. The team that you would have kicked to gets the ball at the 25. You pick up 12 yards. You get it at the 37. 37. Thank you for the math real quick. (laughs) Um, You get it at the 37-yard line. I kind of like it. One
3: law of unintended consequences, and this does happen a lot when we hear these rules. One thing I did think about, fourth and 15 plays, what are you going to do? You know, what what is the offense? What are they gonna set up? And I would I hope that doesn't lead to well, we know what we're gonna do here. We're gonna send two guys up the sideline and we're gonna hope for a pass interference. And if the ball's not on get time, bailed out get bailed out, just stop short, mm-hmm. do something that, that's but I, I'm sure that's gonna be part of the game plan too. The quarterback's in pressure, he's gonna throw it up. Do anything you can. You have to do
0: something, right? Right, right. Um But that's the case on fourth downs all the time anyway, sure. right? Lamar Jackson, I mean, he's going to be fun to watch when he puts himself, if the Ravens put themselves in that spot. Could you see a team,
3: I mean, doing this, especially in a shootout type of game where our defense isn't getting stops and there's, say, five minutes left in the second quarter, something like that, and just say, you know what, the heck with it. Let's give it a shot. Well, we'll analytics are
0: clearly going to come into play big time yeah. on it, and some, some one team who's got the best analytical guy will will know the answer to that. But on the surface, I think this has a chance to be adopted.
3: Speaking of that, I saw onside kicks were down to, what, 10% now? It's ridiculous. In yeah, the it's NFL. It's impossible. I do wonder, what is a 4th and 15? Mm. You know, what that percentage is, mm-hmm. I would guess. Somewhere around there. maybe?
0: It would be higher than that, Yeah, than than 10%. But the onside kick has been deemed almost impossible. It has, yeah. We'll come back, finish up the program. Miller and Condon, uh, a couple of good Big Ten games tonight. I don't know, is the Big 12 off... They are. Yeah. I think they're off. They're on They're ready
3: for day. the weekend because they have the SEC. Oh, big Oh, it's the 12 challenge. challenge. Yes,
0: indeed, the big uh, the uh, SEC Big Twelve Challenge coming up. All right, Trent and I will come back, finish out the program. Uh, we're on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO, and now on one. Sports station, 1460 KXNO, NFL note. The Vikings have stayed in-house. Uh, Stefanski leaves for Cleveland. Gary Kubiak has been installed as the offensive coordinator for the Vikings. No surprise there. He was, no. um, I mean, that's his calling card. Yeah, offensive coordinator. And, of course, he's had head coaching experience and won a Super Bowl. So Kubiak stays uh, with the Vikings as the OC. Um this note from on favorites in the Super Bowl, they're twenty six, twenty-five, and two overall. That's crazy. Twenty six, twenty five, and two the favorite. Look, I'm still on San Francisco. I've uh-huh. been on San Francisco since the game ended. I just think they're gonna win the football game, Trenton. This isn't an anti chief bias coming out one little bit. I think the Niners are going to win the game. So, running game? Yes. And I think, here's the thing, would it, would prob- the answer is probably yes. I was going to say, would you fall off your chair if Jimmy Garoppolo is the MVP of the game? No. No, no, no. Because I think that he's a quarterback. He's a quarterback, right? And I think that we're just almost glossing over him. Mm-hmm. you not Trent Dilfer. This isn't a situation like that where they've got a game manager type of thing. As Vinny pointed out, he can chuck the ball around. He's certainly got good receivers. I I I think Garoppolo, because of the fact they ran the ball right down the Packers' throats last week. He threw it as few times as he did. You know, we remember that ah, they can't really throw the ball. They're not a passing football team. Well yeah, they can be. Garoppolo, do you know what the odds to win the MVP? I have. I haven't seen any props yet.
3: Well, I know in Vegas, and I'm not sure if this is the case. In fact, uh, well, not today, but I have a couple meetings on the other side of town. But I do have one tomorrow over there. I'm gonna stop by where
0: Altoona. Oh, in Altoona. Gotcha.
3: And, uh, and to see if they have their prop sheets ready to go. I know you'll be in Vegas. I'm
0: stopping by Vegas on Sunday, yes. Good man. Sunday through two. I'll be about,
3: Look at you taking one for the team.
0: Absolutely. Good. I've got meetings on Monday and I fly home on Tuesday.
3: But see if the prop sheets, because in Vegas, this is the big night for most of the casinos.
0: So what do you mean? So this is? The prop night. Ah, they unveil them. They, they unveil them. I
3: heard a... I didn't know that. Yeah, a couple of guys, a couple of people I listened to, I listened to Doug Kanzarian's uh, podcast, mm-hmm. the guy that does... The betting show on ESPN. We had him on our show. Yeah, yeah. Right. Really good guy. Yep. And uh, worked in Iowa for a number of mm-hmm. years in the Quad Cities before making his way to ESPN. But he uh, had one of the sportsbook directors on, and they mentioned that that was their big night. I want to say, what is the ESPN? Don't they have a connection now? They always use Caesars lines. Does that sound I'm right? I'm not sure. That, I mean, everybody's partnered up with, right. every,
0: uh, with somebody. And yeah.
3: that's what it was. But wonder if the same thing's going to happen because I'm going to guess that William Hill probably has the same type of thing. Mm-hmm. There's a few props that are out there, a lot of the very general ones. But when you get into some of the more goofy things, you get into the cross-sport props, a lot of those are going to be released. Uh, this is when you can really dive in and you can spend hours, literally hours,
0: Yes, just so popular. going
3: through them, figuring out there's angles. Yep. And he also mentioned, the sportsbook director, that he knows... It is going to be. It is one of their busiest nights when they release all these because the wise guys are sitting. They're waiting to attack them, and they know what their numbers are, and they know what the other numbers are. And they said they're usually fine with it because, a, those people are going to come in and they're going to bet the opposite. Most everybody else. So, will there be a safety? Mm -hmm. The everyday Joe, he's going to bet yes because he sees, boy, I can get six to one, (laughs) and a safety. Let's do it. Let's throw fifty bucks on that and have some fun. But the other guys, the wise guys, are going to build their bankroll on the nose. And the unders. Oh man, after Moser last week, that's only seventy seven and a half rushing yards oh, all day to go long. And the other guys are gonna right. be coming in they're being on the other side. But it should there's be a fun always, night out there.
0: There's always one or two props, Trent, that they get completely wrong mm-hmm. that really cost them. All right, here's something that just came out. Now this is uh, this is illegal, this is offshore wagering. I mean, still a lot of people do, right? Yes. Here's other thing. I'll come back to this. I'm anxious to see how much the state of Iowa, and I hope... We found out earlier from Brian O'Rilko that they couldn't carve out a single day like we wanted to know how much money was bet in state on Iowa versus Iowa State in September. That at at least at that point they weren't able to, you know, carve that number out of the month of September. I hope they can with the Super Bowl because I'm anxious to see how much Iowa bets on the Super Bowl statewide. It'll
3: be interesting. It really
0: will. So this this numbers come out offshore, and it's different sport, but it's baseball. You and I love win season long win totals, Mm -hmm. and the Central Division of the National League win totals have been released offshore. Want to take a stab? Highest win total? Highest win total in the Central Division of the National League is who? Is the Cincinnati Reds at 86 and a half. No, it's the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, I, I,
3: that's where I was going, but you said it in a way, you posed it in a way, that it was going to be off a little bit goofy. Yeah, Cardinals, 88 and a half. 88 and
0: a half, good number. Cubs, 86 and a half. Seem a tick high. It does to me. Yeah. Hope I'm wrong. Reds eighty three and a half. Reds have got up off the mat. Seems to tick low to me. Likewise with the brew crew, eighty three and a half, and then the uh, Pirates can be a long year according to um the line makers. Pirates seventy one and a half. But the Cardinals favored, total wins in the central, and then the Cubs eighty six and a half. But um Do
3: you have my beloved American league? No, central. that's the
0: only one I've seen. Let, let okay. me see if I if this guy went any further. Uh, he just posted the Central Division of the National League. Gotcha. So, what do you think your Twins will be? Ninety-two.
3: Yeah, that's right where I was thinking. Probably ninety-one and a half, ninety-two and a half, right in that range. White Sox, eighty-six and a half. Yes. Is that high? No. I mean, it remember 80? we're talking Betty Public. Yeah. Probably eighty. They had a great off season, Trent. They what had are a great the off-season? Indians? Are, are the White Sox going to be higher than the Indians? Yes. It' is going to be more in that kind of eighty two and a half range 81 so. and a half
0: I think there'll be a tick below the White sox based on the the off season they've had and then the Royals and then the Tigers <laughs> oh yeah uh what do you got tonight Are you to, is there is there one thing is there one game you're going to I know we both like the big Ten games tonight, yes. yep but you from a betting perspective do you like one more than the other um I like both of the home teams
3: in this one uh laying a little bit more of a number I think than you anticipate with Ohio State Minnesota's just been so bad on the road hmm this is the Big Ten as a whole. And I love the time slot, by
0: the way, five thirty and seven thirty.
3: Michigan for you. State, Indiana, <laughs> good for me. Yes, good for indeed. you. It is good for me. Uh, I just want to watch that Indiana Michigan State game. I'm sure I'll probably throw something out there, but especially if you can get four and a half, it's four right now. Mm-hmm. That grab another half point or at least it might be something I'm thinking about the money line. I think Indiana's going to play well tonight. My favorite bet of the night, though, it's late in the Pac-12. It is my beloved Oregon State Beavers. Trace Tinkle and company uh, laying seven at home against UCLA. Not a very good Euclid team this year.
0: So laying the uh, laying the touchdown and taking the Beavers, that's what oh, you're doing?
3: That's, that's my favorite bet of the night. Mm-hmm. See if we can rub another couple nickels together.
0: All right. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll give you an opportunity to opine on some lines as well. But your prize will be Claxon's Barbecue. Mm. Indeed. Uh, Trent and I are back tomorrow at 10. Murph and Andy are the next local programming. They slide in here at 2. The Fanatics take their place at 4. And then tomorrow morning, Friday, we'll start with the morning rush. The crew is on at 6, Saturday morning pregame, live from Prairie Meadows on Saturday, 8 to 11 with Songer and Roberts. Miller and Condon, 1460 Note one.